So hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Simon Hodgkins, and I'm delighted to be joined by our very own Cormac Eckloff. Cormac, Senior Programme Manager at Vista Tech, you're very welcome here today, Cormac, on Vista Talks. Thanks for having me, Simon. Great to see you. Let's get on, let's get on to the show straight away and let's jump right into the discussion. Let's kick it off with this fast-paced world that you're involved in, program management. What what attracts you to this fast-paced, crazy world of program management? What a, well, attraction is a strong word, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I kind of fell into it after college, uh, into the, the gradual procession towards it, I suppose, from project management to program management. And I suppose they go hand in hand, and it's been... 20 plus years in the making so again attraction extremely strong word but there's definitely been a kind of a um, a gradual uh, build and climb I suppose into into the program management world uh, via the trenches of, of project management as it were yeah interestingly people often speak and sort of flip between project and program but there are very clear differences and uh, it's interesting that you use the term you know working sort of earning your stripes through the trenches uh, to, to get into that sort of world of senior program management because it is it's quite a complex layered structure really when you, you're working at a world-class level well i don't know about world class but some class anyway but we do like you have to kind of as you say earn your stripes but the other thing the advantage is um if you've been through project management for any extent really um you have a good idea of what's happening on a foundation level below you as as you kind of you understand what's happening in the project management level and that helps you in your own role yeah for sure so look let let's before we get into before we get into that then let's let's have a little trip down memory lane let's talk about your studies uh it was quite an interesting uh mix you had social science information technology politics history and all this was done at uh university college dublin if i'm correct in saying that mm-hmm. so what 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 sort of led you to those sort of four subjects and did they sort of come together and synergize your sort of professional or personal uh journey or, or what, what made you take those tracks initially and do they, do they help you these days i love that you use the words professional and so forth because this answer is anything but professional but i remember <laughs> the C, i remember the cao form back in god knows when 90 or something like that yeah. and i remember my i i was minding my parents house filling out the cao form on my own and uh, someone told me that uh, social science there was a lot of there was a very high girl to guy ratio in the class and i chose social science so that's basically the only reason i fell into that lane uh however it did prove extremely interesting i loved it it was fascinating and one of the most interesting parts was they had a brand new course called information technology which um, seemed like a bit of a laugh at the time. <laughs> and uh, it was, it was, I think it was the first course in Ireland around that, uh, around that time. And UCD had it and they had uh, some really interesting lecturers. And uh, we had everything from uh, making a database, literally creating a database. So everybody, people were creating databases of movies and, and I think I did something to do with soccer or something. And uh, we had some other basic stuff like what, what is a fax machine or what is a, you know, a very, very basic stuff. But we also had a visionary lecturer, um, a really, really interesting guy who was, he, he was throwing out terms like misinformation 
and um, the importance of or the, the dangers of, of technology and information being uh, molded together for the future. And I found myself recently thinking about some of those lectures because the guy was way ahead of his time with his concerns about the dangers of mass information and the human mind and and the manipulation of information and so forth. So it's really, really fascinating stuff. So uh, although I did, I have to admit, I fell into that course, um, it was fascinating and definitely a gentle primer towards the IT world. It's a, you kind of dated yourself with the yes, database of fax <laughs> database of fax machines, yeah. but you you saved it with the um, when you think about back then to be talking about misinformation mm -hmm. back then was absolutely streets ahead because we we've, we've come through a, a very heavy period, haven't we? Mm. Of uh, that being a, a very sort of front of house topic for lots of reasons, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And you notice that I'm based in the States now, but having, having come from Ireland, um, you notice the difference in the way information is handled. Um, Ireland, there's definitely much a much stronger emphasis on reality and you get away with far less in Ireland, frankly. Over here in the States, it is sadly pretty much anything goes. You can stand on the street corner and say, I am Elvis and 10 people will think you're Elvis. So it's it's uh, misinformation is king over here, unfortunately. But, uh, so so let's let's understand a little bit then, because you, you mentioned that obviously your education is in Ireland, but you've mentioned that you're, you're living obviously in the US now. So let, let's talk about sort of your, the start of your career as this sort of project manager and earning those stripes and how that sort of morphed into this senior program management role that you you do at Vista Tech. Yeah, well, again, so, you know, the information technology course was probably one of the few things I was able to put back on my CV back in the 90s as to that was relevant to the new roles that were popping up. Um, I remember my mother at the time showing me an ad for a localization role and explaining to me what localization was. Again, <laughs> this was a long time ago when it was a new industry and it was it was just kind of gathering pace. Um, I, at the time, I think the first couple of roles I had were around quality. Um, so um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, testing. Uh, so the first role I had was in a place called Digital, which I think is Compaq now, um, or Compaq a while ago anyway. I'm not even sure if they're still around. But um, the first job I had was testing Internet Explorer 3 which wow. is yeah. wow. <laughs> so on a team that was testing that and it was it was it was interesting it was cool and it was a good uh, I remember doing my windows network exams and that kind of thing uh, so all that testing world um I kind of uh, I went through that for a few years and finally started to get interest in um or to gather interest in in project management roles uh, which felt a little bit like a a logical progression from from quality and testing into project management uh, it helped with stuff like, you know, uh, this, this sounds like I'm doing an interview now, but it helped with stuff like um, attention to detail and, and that kind of thing, you know, coming yeah. from quality into project management. And then project management I was in for, for several years until um, I finally started to build that into program management roles, as it were, and, and this current role. Yeah, and I mean, what a journey because, you know, from Internet Explorer 3, wow. Yes, uh, <laughs> I think to they're today, on four now, I think. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, to, the, to the wonderful world of Google and automated everything and, you know, smartphones and technologies and AI and, you know, it, it's, a, it's an incredible journey, isn't it, in such a short period of time, I think. 
Well, thanks for saying sure. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, but uh, you know, like in the in the grand scheme of things, we've come a long way in a short period of time from a technology, from an information technology perspective, for sure. Um, that makes me think of one role I had with AOL. And AOL had a base in Ireland for support, supporting yes. the English market. Yeah. And I was with their tech support team for about a year and a half or so. And uh, one of the main things we had to do was help people troubleshoot their modems. I don't, I mean, I, some people probably don't even know modems are. Uh, so that was, uh, that was an experience to say the least. Very good. Very good. So look, I wanted to reference uh, a, an interview that you had um, a while back now, and you were talking specifically about the key elements of, of sort of the role uh, and this program management. And you were talking about the flexibility that you need sort of to wear that operations hat one minute, the sales hat the next minute, the man, the team management hat. And then you sort of spoke a little bit about um, mentoring and developing uh, within the same sort of context. So could you just, I've mentioned a few things there, but could you maybe just expand on that and unpack that a little bit for the, the people listening to this? Yeah, well, program management is essentially um, your, when you look at the accounts and the programs you're dealing with, um, I think uh, the way I like to look at it is essentially a program manager is the glue in those accounts and programs. Um, um, that's a bit of a cliche, but you're bringing all the different disciplines and entities together. Um, so everything from your own team, your own project management team, and then not to mention your own internal teams. So with Vistatech, you've got where we have extremely strong support. Um, we have uh, tech support, we have ATG, you have DTP, all the other different types of technical groups. The, the HR team is often interested in what's happening on the account and marketing and all the other internal teams that come together to support a Vistatech a team in a program or account um, globally. Um, so first of all, there's that aspect and there's an, an awful lot that goes into that. You know, if you're building something new, you're touching all sorts of different points. And um, on top of that, then internally, then you have the client you're dealing with and the vendors and the ecosystem around that, the actual program itself. So there's a ton of different groups to consider and to bring together and uh, get talking on the same page and get moving in the same direction, I suppose. And uh, so that's that's probably one of the major elements. And there's two there's two aspects to that, as you mentioned. There's kind of an operations aspect and kind of a sales aspect to it as well. Um, the sales team obviously has a much more focused role uh, around the you know particularly around the start, bringing in business and that kind of thing. But when you're actually up and running. Uh, sometimes you have to wear kind of a sales hat, depending who you're dealing with. From an operations perspective, obviously, we have to kind of uh, support and direct and drive our own teams forward. But with a client, you're often dealing with not just the client, but their their own internal stakeholders and, and other groups associated, and, and of course, the other vendors as well. And you're you are representing Vistatech. You are, you know, you have to bear that in mind as you're going through um campaigns and as you're going through discussions and meetings um you definitely have to think towards the while you're currently maybe fixing something in the, in the present you definitely have to think towards the future uh, with a bit of a sales hat on when you're dealing with those disparate varied groups right and so obviously you there's a real big importance on listening to the clients and what the needs are and then, of course, you need to communicate that back to the various teams, be it your own team, 
your own departments or, or different departments within VistaTech or within clients' uh, organizations. Mm -hmm. So this the, the importance here um, around technology, language, but also this effective communication, like for a, for a program manager to be truly effective, like communication seems to be a big part of this then. Oh, absolutely. A massive. And I mean, it can't be understated, actually, I suppose, uh, in, in the program manager world, the value of communication and the importance of communication. And um, yeah, you hit on a very interesting point there that the listening, it really is crucial, uh, I think. And it's it's um, it's the key to success in so many ways, because the client will tell you exactly what they want. Uh, you just have to be able to parse that out of whatever discussion is happening and and turn it into actionable items for your own. Uh, I guess you have to translate it for your own teams and your own management and so forth and and um, really focus on what they need and what and you know and sometimes they'll they'll tell you what they need and there might be some more aspects to it as well that you can consider and and, and just make their lives easier basically and and i think that's a part of it you know with with vista tech um, we i think we do a very good job of what um our, my director, Alan, calls uh, boutique project management and uh, boutique program management as well. And really what that is, is, it, you know, I think it gives kind of an interesting image and a fun image, but it really is giving, rolling out, taking, taking out the chocks and rolling out everything for the client. And uh, it, it's not, it's focused. It, that sounds a bit open and as if we're doing a little bit too much, but it's very focused into the client needs and so forth and ensuring that we support them to the point where, you know, we have one client who a few years ago told us, uh, basically he was able to keep a small project management team because he saw our project management team as an extension of his team. And that's absolute gold from a client obviously where you get to that level of trust so all that kind of uh, listening to the client's needs and ensuring that those are met um, you know and even going further if possible builds that trust that that leads to success that's that's very interesting because we've had uh, fairly recently actually we had one villius on the vista talk show and obviously you know on uh, the chief sales officer for 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 Vistech around the world and, you know, one of the things that Orno now speaks about passionately is this sort of bespoke nature to what VistaTech does through listening to its clients, you know, rolling out those sort of bespoke global content solutions, mm. as opposed to having a traditional translation, localization, LSP type conversation. So, yeah, it's very interesting to hear you to speak up, to hear you speak about it in that sort of context. Um, so, look... We're talking about um, VistaTech right now, and VistaTech obviously it it communicates and works with lots of global organisations all around the world. A lot of the big brands that people would know and love are VistaTech clients. Um, so obviously, you can't go into too much detail here, but maybe maybe you could sort of explain a little bit about the world class programs or any sort of keys to providing that sort of gold standard service and why the reason what I'm really trying to drive out of here is a lot of VistaTech customers, once they become a VistaTech customer, they seem to stay for a long, long time. They really grow with the, with the business. And so have you got any sort of tips or sort of little nuggets of wisdom that helps people to build that world-class program management? 
Yeah, well, as you said, NDAs are a wonderful thing um, and uh, they do hamper us a little when we're trying to talk about various clients and so forth. But I think, you know, uh, I, the main thing for me is having come from, you mentioned a moment ago, um, the way uh, LSPs and vendors may do business, um, you know, in the classic way, I suppose, is uh, Visitech tends to take, uh, and Visitech is in a position to be able to take a much more holistic quality approach towards these um, setups and the focus is always uh, on quality and I think that's one of the first key points is is high quality basically over over numbers over over um, you know volume over uh, other kind of classic features of accounts uh, that I'm really one thing I'm very proud of being involved in Vistatech is the approach and focus to quality over over everything um, and that is only possible through the extended Vistatech ecosystem. As I mentioned previously, the, the different groups that we have, a lot of really high quality people in these groups, everything from sales to marketing to IT to development and, and, and uh, multimedia and so forth. And we touch all of those in, um, you know, in, our, in our major clients and programs that we're working on. And we rely on those and lean on those. So having those, there's no shortcuts really. Having those pieces in place is crucial. And Visitech's very, very lucky to have some really high quality, um, not just technically proficient, but but positive and and progressive people in those roles. And that, you know, uh, instead of so if we if if we're in a program, we have a big problem, we're trying to develop something, trying to fix something, being able to turn around and get a you know such high quality support internally is is really I think it's quite unusual having been in the business for twenty plus years and seen a lot of vendors and a lot of other LSPs and how they do things. Um, the approach we take is is refreshing, but not just refreshing and unusual, but also highly focused and successful, frankly. Um, and that, at the end of the day, that ends up with this, this lovely thing where you're delighting the client, as they say in inverted commas. And uh, if they have a problem, you're able to fix it internally without bringing in other vendors or other, you know, other groups. And that is something that definitely leads to that level of delight with the client. So, you know, that's, that's a long answer to a short question. There's really no way to uh there's no magic sauce or you know secret recipe or anything like that it is it is a, a organizational approach towards this uh, careful foundation building first of all where you have all these teams in place and then ensuring a very strong quality approach to fixing problems and and to how you want to move things forward you know and again again not taking shortcuts and making sure that things are done the right way so that's on an organization level i think and obviously it's it's not one item but it's it's an approach really and, and i think the vistec approach is very well received by the big clients we work with who um you know, ap appreciate that kind of support, turnaround, and approach. Oh, I, thank you, uh, Cormac. Um, it, what springs to mind is when I'm talking to uh, Phil Ritchie, the CTO of Vistech, as I'm sure you know Phil well. Um, the, and you mentioned it earlier, actually, you, you referenced ATG, the Applied Technologies Group. And as you were speaking there, I was thinking an awful lot about the, the, uh, the quality and the development work sometimes that we do from a bespoke nature, all in-house a lot of the times. And I know Phil, if Phil was here today, he'd be speaking an awful lot about 
uh, you know, being technology agnostic and if he can take something and use it and it's the best fit for the client, he's had no qualms in doing that. But often, you know, sometimes you have to build a bespoke solution from the ground up for a client. So it is nice having both of those levers, I suppose, um, available. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we've we have um, with several very, very big clients and biggest in the world, frankly, in their in their uh, disciplines, uh, we've had Phil and his team create um, customized uh, focused platforms, entire platforms, like enormous solutions um, that have, frankly, blown the clients, you know, blown them away with the the efficiency and um, success levels those platforms create. So Phil and the team are able to uh, get access to client systems and uh, integrate them with our own and create these customized platforms that um, are just, frankly, they're, they're fantastic tools on, on every level from, from uh, production to finance and, and quality, uh, brings everything together in the program. And um, we've built a few of these now. Uh, that I'm sure we've built several more, actually, that I don't have visibility to. But we've built a few that are really, you know, groundbreaking stuff, frankly, and really, really functional, usable, but also very progressive. And they just create these massive efficiencies on the account that um, push everything forward. And, and again, an, another item that's kind of a, a delight to the client. Right. So um, in your opinion, then, touching on this, you know, improving things for an organization and brands focusing on back to that global content solutions, as opposed to not simply localization and translation, then that's fundamental to to the programs that you're running at the scale that you're running them at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's not um, with these big organizations, once you get once you have built levels of trust over a few years and working in certain areas, you often branch out into other areas, um, you know, be it um, uh, a bit of testing, a bit of uh, multimedia work um, on top of your, your original remit of, of either translation or, or review. Um, so you end up in this kind of multifaceted world with uh, where they're leaning on your um, your approach and your quality and your your success levels, and you're kind of adding to that to that organization. Um, and Vistatech's doing that for another a number of large clients that I'm working with, and um, it's a testament to our ability to be flexible. Uh, with all the, the different groups that we have internally, but also a huge testament to the strength of our project management team in particular. Um, we are, obviously, we, we have some really high quality people um, working on these accounts and uh, we end up in situations where our own project management team is, is integral to um, these major, major clients to the groups we're dealing with. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting mix of um, different disciplines and entities and and uh, our ability to be flexible in those thank you and uh so let's 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 move on a little bit then and uh this this year in particular and last year has been quite challenging for many people you know some organizations have seen huge growth particularly in the technology space that we've kind of touched on today some technology companies are doing exceptionally well uh, during you know the the sort of time that we've been in the pandemic, other companies not so well. Uh, other other industries, for example, have been uh, uh, quite severely restricted. Um, so it's been it's been very uneven. But either way, it's been challenging for lots of people, not just in a work or a business or, or, or a, 
uh, an industry sector perspective, but also from a personal perspective. So I wanted to ask you, because obviously you're managing a whole program, there's various teams and departments. So what's this working from home, working remotely? How has that affected things from your perspective? Has it, has it impacted it at all? Has it made it more effective, more efficient? Are you longing for the days where everybody's back in an office? Or what, what are your views on, on, on this when it, when it relates to global program management? Yeah, it's a, it's a massive question, really. Um, there's so much to unpack in that. And I suppose I'll start with on a, on a personal level. Um, we, you know, the way we have our different teams built up with the clients who work, we, we are, we, we were a mix, I suppose, of um, getting to press the flesh and shake hands and make, you know, um, progress in the business world in, in person. Um, but we also had a very strong um, presence globally. Um, and that, that obviously translates to virtually because, uh, you you know, you're not good. And in our world, you, you, it's not sensible to be hopping around the globe, um, visiting your various teams and so forth. Everything happens virtually for a reason. Um, and a large part of it comes back to one of the services, one of the major aspects of the service we, we um, provide to the three, uh, the bigger clients that, uh, that I'm working with. And I know it's extended around um the biggest client we have and others as well and um it's a phrase that um heather and alan came up with um the follow the sun global pro project project management approach and what that means is hitting all the time zones basically and the level of support goes around the globe and never stops basically and um we have our team our the project management teams um have become incredibly good at this past the baton approach of um support so if an issue crops up in gmt we can work in it in pst even in apac if we have to and basically move that issue or any other topics so forth around the, the clock so you know say if you're working with a pst client and something has cropped up you can work in it overnight and have that problem fixed before the clients even in, in their office or sitting down having their morning coffee at home so that that approach has led to a very kind of a strong focus on this global virtual um setup anyway so um the 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 major clients that I work on we have project management um resources all over the world literally um from places as far flung as as rosario and argentina to to hong kong and um with those resources we have our communication set up in place where everybody feels very connected and we put a lot of effort into that to make sure that that connect that feeling of connection is there and that ability to solve problems together in a virtual world so we've been doing that for years anyway so when when covid popped its merry little head up we were able to adjust quite quickly um to that and i think obviously it helped particularly our our, our strength our project management team was able to adjust quickly and um, you know, still be functional and provide you know high-level solutions and success levels to our, our major clients. Um, so that you know, COVID did, it's obviously it's presented all sorts of challenges, which um, Visitech has. I think uh, I'm I'm glad to work for an organization that has kept such a strong focus on making sure everyone's safe and and comfortable and supported in this unusual world we're in now after COVID. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the the change to this virtual world in particular, it, it presents a few challenges. You know, um, some organizations over here are trying to get back into the office. They are already to some level, to a small percentage. Um, however, obviously, as things change, it, it as we're seeing 
right now with the new Delta variant, things may never be the same again. So there has to be a very flexible approach. The one thing I miss is that the, you know, the ability to, what do they call them, uh, water cooler deals and, and conversations. So that's what they call them over here anyway. Uh, the ability to have those sidebar conversations where you can um, you know, find out what's really get the zeitgeist of what's happening at the time and that kind of thing. You know, so that's, that's probably the one thing I miss, I suppose. Um, uh, other than that, we're able to, thankfully, we're, very, we're in a very good position. We're able to carry on and continue to be successful in the virtual world. Thank you very much for that, uh, Cormac. So um, just teasing that out a little bit more, maybe away from Vista Tech, maybe to more of sort of a, a wider view. I'd be interested in your thoughts because there's a lot of there's a lot of change going on globally and you've touched on quite a few of them and obviously I think maybe the localization industry as a whole was maybe a little bit better suited and you know if, if um, as an industry it hasn't really stopped if anything it, it sped up the, the business and grew the business because more and more brands all of a sudden needed to become digital they needed to get online their content changed overnight you know it was kind of a uh, a big increase for some some organizations not all uh, but some but in this this sort of global topic of you know working from home we hear people talking about four-day work weeks you're talking about in the us how some companies are trying to encourage people back to their offices and then there's various variants that are throwing things up but when it comes to work culture do you think there's there are going to be further impacts and opportunities for the localization industry or do you think it'll just be business as usual? This will just be the way it is for quite some time. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a fascinating topic. And you hit something there that's very interesting, I think, and it's one of the keys to the the to figuring out who has been relatively successful in this period and who has been less successful and that is the digital world basically and um, if you uh, any business that's in the digital world and that's adapting quickly and uh, focusing on that is making progress I think um, we're involved with a couple of very large clients who identified very quickly that um, the digital world was the way to go basically and, and there's um, for better or for worse there's definitely a move away from bricks and mortar and um, a push towards digitalization and, and that's that goes hand in hand, I think, with this whole virtual world we're creating, we're not creating, but we're building uh, or developing even further. And I think change or more progress is inevitable. I think there's more coming. Um, I think companies such as Vistatech are learning how to support their the global teams in this new world. And um, I think there's going to be, I, the one thing I can imagine is going to happen is we're going to see more uh, innovation and development, or particularly around the day-to-day -day for your teams. Um, so how we stay connected, um, you know, we're, we're on a Zoom call now. And uh, if you recall, a year and a half ago, there's lots of people who never heard of Zoom uh, So as an entity. And, and so I just think there's probably going to be more that's going to come in terms of how we communicate and how we work on a daily basis. Because right now we're still using the tools we used two, three, four years ago. And some of them are trying to adapt to new features like, you know, presentations and so forth and the ability to work together. So whiteboarding in a virtual world. Um, so I, you know, maybe you and I, we, in the next five minutes, we can hash something out that will, will be progressive and amazing in, in the world. But I think there's something definitely brighter minds than ours will, will come together and put together some kind of all-in platform that's going to really 
uh, open up the, the, the working world, you know, uh, in the virtual world, because I don't think we're quite there yet. And I think the emphasis has to be on that because, you know, there's a lot of businesses that aren't going to go back into the office for, I don't know, a year to come, maybe even more, maybe. depending on obviously where we are. But, uh, the, you know, this, the, you know, the one of the few good things that's come from a terrible thing in COVID is, is this new push for innovation and development and progress. And, um, you know, it's, I think, it's something that uh, can be a little bright spark in, in a tough period for many and should be interesting to see what, what comes of it in the next few years. No, I couldn't agree more. I think the innovation and something that I know we talk a lot about, the agility, the ability mm -hmm. to change and to move and to adapt to a certain situation quickly and effectively, not, notwithstanding the importance of quality that you were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. uh, that has to run sort of through it consistently. But um, yeah, it, it has been a big change. There's, there were a lot of companies that were not digitally savvy and have had to make some pretty rapid changes to their, fund, to their businesses. Um, there have been some businesses that were already digitally savvy and have sort of capitalized on that. And yet, you know, whether it's travel and hospitality or, you know, the leisure sort of industries, they've been particularly hard done by very small mm -hmm. independent restaurants. You know, those kind of places originally were... Uh, you know, very, very tough uh, trading environments uh, because there basically wasn't anything. Everywhere was shuttered. So I know it's different depending on which part of the world you're in, but I, I think you're right. Uh, you make a very good point, uh, Cormac, about the tools that we're using today are sort of seeing us through this current time, but they are tools that were probably around for a few years anyway. We just kind of had to rely on them more. Uh, and I, you were mentioning earlier, weren't you, about modems and fax machines. Could you imagine if it had hit then without the tools in place? I think it would be a very different environment. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let, just finishing off then, I did want to touch on one more thing from my perspective. Then I'm going to ask you if I've missed anything or if there's anything else that you want to share. But talking about change, obviously you, you've done a big change because you, you've moved from Ireland to the U.S., and in, I know in Ireland, I wanted to ask you about baseball because baseball I associate with, I know it's a, I know it's a global sport. I know there are pockets of it, but I wouldn't really associate baseball with Ireland. But you were sort of very instrumental in the adult baseball league as a coordinator for Ireland. So could you maybe just share a little bit about that? Because it's, it's a bit niche for Ireland, but more mainstream for the U.S., yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, people in the US don't know that there's baseball Ireland and then there's people in Ireland who don't know there's baseball in Ireland. So right. uh, it's probably more it's probably more well known on continental continental Europe, ironically, than than in other places. But uh, it's funny, you can never really get away from the IT world. Um, it all came from when American businesses in particular started to throng to Ireland back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, they brought with it, you know, everything associated with that, uh, including softball at the time, which is um, a slow pitch, underhand pitch version of baseball. And um, all these uh, softball, corporate softball teams started to pop up around Dublin in particular, and it grew in the 80s and um, into, um, into the 90s. Um, at one stage, I, I was at a softball tournament in Galway in 97, and there was 84 different teams at it. So from all over Ireland, obviously, and it was a massive weekend tournament, but that's to give you an idea how popular the sport was and still is, I believe, um, and its association with um, with uh, the IT world in particular. Uh, so from that grew um, a bunch of guys decided they wanted to try baseball. 
And um, by 96, we were or the Irish national team was already competing in the European Championships. Uh, the first one, we got to travel all over the world, which was exciting. And the first one was in uh, Hull in England, not the most glamorous, no offense to Hull. Uh, just a slight pause there. So, um, yeah, we, we had a, an amazing experience with Baseball Ireland, um, being able to travel to these European championships every two years and see all these uh, incredible places like Stockholm and Regensburg in Germany and Croatia, Dubrovnik and Karlovac and, and all these amazing places. And this is, it's really funny. You had the same experience there where, uh, say, for example, Prague, we turn up in this beautiful city and we'd be there for a day getting ready. And we the next day we'd head out to the facility and you're expecting a field and a donkey and a few people hanging around. And at Prague, we traveled about 20 minutes outside the city and there's this incredible baseball facility with two beautiful fields side by side, a clubhouse, changing rooms and a bar with a restaurant. This is, you know, so it's, it's surprisingly popular in Europe. Um, I can name any amount of unusual places that there's these gorgeous baseball facilities. And it's really, really popular in like France, Italy, Germany, a semi-professional in France, actually. And I think possibly even in the higher levels in Germany and England. So it's got a, it has a surprisingly big support base around Europe. Um, Ireland, we've had some success at international level um, with some medals and in different tournaments, particularly in the kind of 2004 to 2008 period. And uh, it was a lot of fun being associated with that and the travel and the team camaraderie and all that kind of stuff it was great but um it's uh you know it's a surprisingly big sport in in europe and it's catching on quickly in ireland where they're focusing lately on the youth levels uh, there's a number of youth teams around ireland and they're putting a lot of effort and um trying to get those build the next generation of, of irish baseball players as it were so it's a fun organization and um, baseballireland.com it's where if you're, if you're interested in swinging a bat or throwing a ball and um obviously weekend warrior stuff everybody's got normal jobs so uh but uh definitely a fun and and um organization with a lot of uh kind of great stuff associated with it that's great to hear and uh i'm learning something all the time because i've uh, vistatech has another show called x cultural which i'm sure you're aware of and on the first episode of x cultural we were talking to somebody who looks after localization for uh, lyft uh, the ride sharing company uh, but it was about it was about baseball or major league baseball and uh, it was interesting how how actually it had traveled the world as a sport uh, but it's only because you're not maybe I'm not involved in it it's only when you start looking you realize how big this is and it reminds me mm -hmm. you're talking about Dublin and how NFL games now get played in some of the biggest stadiums in Dublin now mm -hmm. uh, whereas of course it would have been traditionally either football or soccer uh, or of course GAA sports so mm -hmm. it's amazing and you mentioned the the applied technologies group and I know there's a basketball team uh, that Vistatech has sponsored from time to time um, so you know it's amazing how sport crosses those borders doesn't it it seems to be a global uh, aspect that sort of bonds us all together and essential in our world because it keeps us active as well. So yeah. next time I'm in Dublin, I have to check out the, the ATG basketball team I used to play in UCD. So there you go. I should put a word in now. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, no, it, it is good. And I, I think particularly as hopefully we, we come out of a pandemic and, you know, things get back to whatever the new normal looks like. Um, but particularly you mentioned youth, uh, you know, and particularly getting people who've been cooped up for the last year and a half or even longer 
depend on how long this thing continues mm-hmm. again depending on which part of the world you're in um you know getting people active again is really important so thank you thank you for sharing that that's a, that's a great insight um look i've asked you an awful lot there i do appreciate your time today here on vista talks but is there anything else you'd like to share cormac or anything that you think we should mention before we wrap up today no i can't no simon i can't think of anything I mean, that was very interesting though um thanks a lot for for having me on i appreciate it that's no problem at all well look that brings us nicely to the close to the end of today's show with cormac eckloff senior program manager here at vista tech so please make sure to tune in again and or listen to the next Vista Talk show, where once again we hope to be discussing more interesting topics with interesting people from all around the world. Thank you, Cormac. Thanks a lot, Simon.